This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Payne.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast. This is episode 145, part four. Folks, I'm proud of myself. I remember to do that on the last three uh, segments. Uh, I did not do it on the first one, so I apologize for that, folks. Let's continue here over at theatlantic.com. This is a section called General Education in the Culture of Despair. It says all Harvard freshmen in the 1950s, including Kaczynski and me, that's the author, not me, folks, were immersed in what the college described as, quote, general education, end quote, and students called gen ed. This program of studies, which had been fully implemented by 1950, was part of a nationwide curricular focused that sought to inculcate a sense of, quote, shared values, end quote, among undergraduates through instruction in the Judeo-Christian tradition. Now, you guys know what gen ed is. Even when I went to uh, Art Institute of Philadelphia for industrial design, I had all the gen ed courses. A lot of the smart kids, they were taking their gen ed classes at the local community college because they were paying about a fifth of the price per credit as you would uh, pay at Art Institute. So, I, I, like, if a credit was a thousand dollars at Art Institute, these kids were paying two hundred, two hundred fifty dollars by taking the gen ed classes at the community college and then transferring those credits over. Uh, life hack for you folks out there goes on to say, unlike the usual departmental offerings, which focused on methodological issues within a discipline gen ed courses were intended to be interdisciplinary with material arranged from students historically chronologically rather than analytically required gen ed courses focused on science literature philosophy history and western institutions the undergraduate curriculum therefore was initially designed to be neatly divided into two categories one general and one specialized one emphasizing history and values the other emphasizing the value-free methodologies employed by scholars in the various academic fields this attempted balance would give rise to a battle in the long war between humanism and positivism the gen ed curriculum was born of a lofty impulse to establish in higher education as president harry truman's commission on higher education would later express it quote a code of behavior based on ethical principles consistent with democratic ideals end quote harvard's president james b cotton in his charge to the committee that would design gen ed wrote 
quote, unless the educational process includes at each level of maturity some continuing contact with those fields in which value judgments are of prime importance, it must fall far short of the ideal. The student in high school and college and in graduate school must be concerned in part at least with the words, quote, right, end quote, and wrong in both the ethical and mathematical sense, end quote. Goes on to say the committee's report, General Education in a Free Society, 1945, was known for the color of its cover as the Red Book. The solution that the Red Book Committee offered was a program of instruction that, in the words of the education historian Frederick Rudolph, called for, quote, a submersion in tradition and heritage and some sense of common bond strong enough to bring unbridled ego and ambition under control, end quote. The Red Book's program of reform caught the imagination of educators across the country. By the mid-1950s, more than half the colleges in America were offering programs of general education modeled along the same line. So here's, here's something I want to bring up as we're going through this. not even related to Kaczynski, but what I've talked about in the past is there's no shared culture in this country. And I think this is a conversation I would have had before I actually started exploring the real culture which is technocracy i would say there was really no shared culture right so when i was a kid and my father who had just uh, been fired from being a cop and he was a private investigator he would hang out with all cops though we would bounce around the different cop bars there was the the polish club the irish club the italian club uh, the german club and my father would shoot darts and drink beer and eat uh, uh kielbasa with sauerkraut you know with these folks and uh, what I noticed was that we celebrated our heritage, but under the banner of the American flag. So you would go to the St. Paddy's Day Parade to celebrate all the the Irish folks. You would go to the Columbus Day Parade to celebrate all the all the Italian folks. You would go to Oktoberfest to celebrate all the, the German folks. But you would do it under the banner of the American flag. And there was a shared sense of uh, camaraderie as citizens of the United States, there was a shared culture. Now, you could say to yourself, well, that was just brainwashing uh, by the government. And sometimes I'm torn between this because on one sense I go, well, that's propaganda that's brainwashing by the system. On the other side, I say, if you don't have that, you don't have a shared culture and therefore the country's gonna fall apart and you can use divide and conquer techniques because we don't share uh, thing. So you can pit a black guy against a white guy versus the black guy and white guy saying, hey, we're both Americans. We're both citizens. Let's agree on that. So it's it's a very deep philosophical discussion that I'm not going to have right here, but I wanted to point it out because uh, this is a good teaching moment here as they're talking about this uh, program, this committee report, General Education in a Free Society. So were they actually doing this to bring people together and have a shared culture? Or was it really a shared culture under this guise of propaganda to drive people into a slave system that was labeled as a democratic values or living under a constitutional republic? Just something to think about, folks. Food for thought. And you know I love food, and I also love thinking. I love food, love thinking. So fantastic, both great. Food for thought, food for thought. McDonald's, I'm thinking about it right now. Believe me, so great. Goes on to say, although at Harvard, 
the name caught on, the philosophy behind it did not. Gen Ed was doomed from the start. By 1950, the Harvard faculty was divided between those two. Chastened by their experience in World War II, and especially by the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, saw science and technology as a threat to Western values and even human survival. And those, a majority who saw science as a liberator from superstition and an avenue to progress. Both these views found their way into the Gen Ed curriculum. The dominant faction had little sympathy for the Red Book's resolve to inculcate judeo-christian ethics because of the majority's resistance many red book committee recommendations were never fully implemented the the other thing just another teaching moment here folks judeo-christian all right uh you really need to look into because this word was thrown remember this article is written in 2000 and that was thrown around a lot in the last sort of phase of politics before the trump era But if you actually look up Judeo-Christian, it didn't even come from our founding. It was invented uh, later on. It was actually a word that was created and then it ended up being adopted. Um, I've actually done shows on this, not here at the Dustin Gold Standard, but on a past show I was involved with. I think it was Radio Free America, and so uh, which, which was not like Radio Free Europe or Radio Free Asia. We were not sponsored by the CIA. Uh, we just called it Radio Free America based on Radio Free Europe because we would talk about a lot of the conspiracies and government control that was going on. But Judeo-Christian was, was invented later than the founding. We were not founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And if you actually talk to some honest Jews, they actually say they don't share principles with Christians. Uh, It goes on to say, and those recommendations that were incorporated into the curriculum were quickly subverted by many of the people expected to teach it. These professors, in fact, emphasized the opposite of the lesson Cotton intended. Rather than inculcate traditional values, they sought to undermine them. Soon, quote, thou shalt not utter a value judgment, end quote, became the mantra for Harvard freshmen in dorm bull sessions as well as in term papers. Positivism triumphed. Um, Superficially, the positivist message appeared to be an optimistic one concerning the perfectibility of science and inevitability of progress. It taught that reason was a liberating force and faith more uh, mere superstition. The advance of science would eventually produce a complete understanding of nature, but positivism also taught that all accumulated non-scientific knowledge of the past, including the great religions and philosophies, had been at best merely an expression of, quote, cultural mores, end quote, and at worst, nonsense life had no purpose and morality no justification that's really important folks that's important there because this is the idea of removing god and nature uh, mother nature from society and i've pointed this out on the show this is what deepak chopra's out there we come from nothingness we come from nothingness we are just molecules and electricity and energy floating around in space and then you put this idea in people's heads that nothing really matters morality doesn't matter this idea that we're all gods uh, like levain satanism or what the new age uh, psychedelic folks are preaching we are all gods just go out there and do whatever you want you don't have to have any values any principles any morals see 
I'm always torn between this too. You know, should man just be free to go out and do that? Should there be some morality? Again, philosophical discussion we can have in the future, and I think it's best to do that with guests. So I don't just sit here and uh, preach to you on my own ideas, but I'd like to get other people's um, thoughts on these uh, topics. But right there, it's talking about pushing people towards the idea of science and technology and away from the idea of any sort of uh, morality, right, or life having a purpose beyond just uh, what science says life's purpose is. Ladies and gentlemen, seriously, think about that because I think it's actually really important. Uh, to try to absorb this, because again, now this is what Kaczynski's going through at college. It starts to shape his uh, world view, or does he push back against it? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to push back against his show and go into a short break. I'll be right back. This is Dust to Gold with the Dust to Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dust and Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, I want to show you this. Just a teaching moment here. I'm not I'm never going to do a show on this. And this is over at Wikipedia. But uh, this is accurate because we actually went and did a bunch of research on this. But it says right here, the term Judeo-Christian first appears in a letter by Alexander McCall, which is dated October 17th, 1821. All right. The term in this case referred to Jewish converts to Christianity. The term was similarly used by Joseph Wolf in 1829 in reference to a type of church that would observe some Jewish traditions in order to convert Jews all right, to Christianity. Mark Silk states in the early 19th century the term was, quote, most widely used in French as well as, well as in English to refer to the early followers of Jesus who opposed, end quote, the wishes of Paul the Apostle and wanted, quote, to restrict the message of Jesus to Jews and who insisted on maintaining Jewish law and ritual. And let me show you this here. Uh, the term Judeo-Christian is used to group Christianity and Judaism together, either in reference to Christianity's uh, derivation from Judaism, Christianity's borrowing of Jewish scripture to constitute the, quote, Old Testament quote of the Christian Bible, or due to the parallels or commonalities in Judeo-Christian ethics shared by the two religions. The term, quote, Judeo-Christian, end quote, first appeared in the 19th century as a word for Jewish converts to Christianity, as I just explained. It says here, in the United States, all right, because you, if you've been paying attention to politics since, uh, let's say, the Reagan era, uh, you know, 1981 onward, you'd hear this word thrown around by conservatives all the time. I bought into it too until about seven, eight years ago when I researched this. It says, in the United States, the term was widely used during the Cold War in an attempt to suggest that the United States had a unified American identity which, opposed, which was opposed to communism. 
theologian and author Arthur A. Cohen, in the myth of the Judeo-Christian tradition, question the theological validity of the Judeo-Christian concept. Instead, he suggested that it was essentially an invention of American politics. All right? So, I just wanted to show that to you folks, because it came up here, and it's just some fascinating piece of useless knowledge that I gained many years ago, and I figured, what the heck, let me share that with you as you hear that word bandied about. And we are a Judeo-Christian country, and it, it wasn't even a thing back in the founding. But most people think it is, because they're told, we were founded on Judeo-Christian principles. But as I said, if you talk to, uh, you know, many Jews, I've had many conversations on air over the years, as well as off air, clients of mine coming out of the orthodox jewish community in brooklyn and such they say we don't consider ourselves to share any values with uh christians although the evangelical christians will you know bend over and you know praise the jew and then make people believe that they share these values but the jews actually don't see it that way it goes on to say even as positivism preached progress therefore it's subliminally carried quite in contradiction to the intent of general ed's framers a more disturbing implication that absolute reason leads to absolute despair jk chesterton wrote quote imagination does not breed insanity exactly what does breed insanity is reason poets do not go mad mathematicians go mad end quote Hence, General Ed delivered to those of us who were undergraduates during this time a double whammy of pessimism. From the humanist, we learn that science threatens civilization. From the scientist, we learn that science cannot be stopped. Taken together, they implied that there was no hope. Okay, very important there. This is uh, framing sort of the ideas of technocracy, which Ted Kaczynski did not. We know technocracy grows out of 1919. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that actually led up to it, but the beginning organized technocracy and putting it down on paper grows out of 1919 with eventually what became the technocracy incorporated, headed up by Howard Scott, which we've covered here extensively. But read that again. It says, from the humanists, we learn that science threatens civilization and i would agree with that from the scientists we learn that science cannot be stopped i would agree with that as well uh, as i pointed out in the show the scientists and the engineers will never actually stop this all leads towards the engineering of humanity out of existence it goes on to say taken together they implied that there was no hope so combine those two ideas there's no hope Jen Ed had created at Harvard a culture of despair. This culture of despair was not, of course, confined to Harvard. It was part of a more generalized phenomenon among intellectuals all over the Western world. But it existed at Harvard in a particularly concentrated form. And Harvard was the place where Kaczynski and I found ourselves, not me, the author. Uh, this, is, this is actually rather important, folks, because we talked also about eugenics in the past here and how all of these economists that were part of the eugenicist movement started writing all these uh, textbooks that were then spread far and wide to hundreds of colleges around the country and you had a generation of kids growing up believing in the ideas of eugenics from what would be milder eugenics all the way to extreme eugenics 
He goes on to say, although I cannot say exactly what Kaczynski read, he must have absorbed a good measure of the gen ed readings that infused the intellectual and emotional climate on campus. Gen ed courses in social science and philosophy quickly introduced us to the relativity of morals and the irrationality of religion. To establish that ethical standards were merely expressions of Western cultural mores, we were assigned to read works by anthropologists such as Margaret Mead, Coming of Age in Sonoma, uh, in Samoa, and Ruth Benedict, Patterns of Culture. In Humanities 5, or, quote, Ideas of Man and the World in Western Thought, end quote, we read Sigmund Freud's uh, a polemic against religious faith, the future of an illusion, which dismisses the belief that life has purpose as a mere expression of infantile desires and as conforming that, quote, man is a creature of weak intelligence who is governed by his instinctual wishes, end quote. In expository writing, we encountered Thorsten Veblen's prediction Thorsten Veblen, you remember him? If you had listened to my series on technocracy, the foundings of technocracy, you would know who Thorstein Veblen is. It says, encounter Thorstein Veblen's prediction that, quote, so long as the machine process continues to hold its dominant place as a disciplinary factor in modern culture, so long must the spiritual and intellectual life of this cultural era maintain the character which the machine process gives it, end quote. We read Nobert Wiener, who warned that unless human nature changes, the, quote, new industrial revolution makes it practically certain that we shall have to face a decade or more of ruin and despair, end quote, right? So uh, this is all of a sudden here, some of the readings that may have begun to inspire uh, Ted Kaczynski to eventually become the uh, Unabomber folks. Uh, and Lewis Munford told us, quote, Western man has exhausted the dream of mechanical power, which so long dominated his imagination. He can no longer let himself remain spellbound in that dream. He must attach himself to more humane purposes than those he has given to the machine. We can no longer live with the illusions of success in a world given over to devitalized mechanisms, desocialized organisms, and depersonalized societies, a world that had lost its sense of ultimate dignity of the person, end quote. I'm going to look into um, Lewis Mumford there, because I actually like what that says, but sometimes you go read this and then you realize these guys are completely twisted goes on to say in german r uh, intermediate german with review of fundamentals which both kaczynski and i took we encountered a whole corpus of pessimistic writers from friedrich Nietzsche, god is dead morality is the herd instinct of the individual the thought of suicide is a great source of comfort to oswald spengler this machine technics will end with uh, Faustian civilization, and one will lie in fragments, forgotten. Our railways and steamships as dead as the Roman roads and the Chinese wall. Our giant cities and skyscrapers in ruins, like old Memphis and Babylon. 
In several courses, we studied Joseph Conrad, who would later become one of Kaczynski's favorite writers, and whose description of the villain in Heart of Darkness could have been applied to Kaczynski himself, quote, all Europe contributed to the making of Kurtz, end quote. He was, quote, a gifted creature. He was a universal genius, end quote. Conrad's The Secret Agent, a satire about bomb-wielding anarchists who declare war on science and whose intentional irony Kaczynski may have missed, preceded, uh, Presages the Unabomber Manifesto, quote, science, end quote, one of the plotters suggests, quote, is the sacrosanct fetish, end quote. It says all the damn professors are radicals at heart. Let them know that their great uh, penundrum has got to go too. The demonstration must be against learning, science. The attack must have all the shocking senselessness of gratuitous blasphemy. I have always dreamed of a band of men absolute in their resolve to discard all scruples in the choice of means, strong enough to give themselves frankly the name of destroyers, and free from the taint of that resigned pessimism which rots the world no pity for anything on earth including themselves and death enlisted for good and all in the service of humanity that's what i would have liked to see the author goes on to say what impact did this reading have on us speaking as a former college professor i can say that most curricula have absolutely no effect on most students but readings can have profound effects on some students especially the brightest most conscientious and least mature certainly the intellectual climate generated by gen ed informed kaczynski's developing views the unabomber philosophy bears a striking resemblance to many parts of harvard's gen ed syllabus it's anti-technology message and its despairing depiction of the sinister forces that lie beneath the surface of civilization its emphasis on the alienation of the individual and on the threat that science poses to human values all these were in the readings all these kinds of ideas did not affect kaczynski alone they reached an entire generation and beyond now we would have to actually do uh, additional research on this folks uh for us to uh fully understand uh what these books and what this curriculum was all about because to be honest with you i've read some of this so if you look at thorstein veblen for instance uh you can say that he's warning about this in the end he was what inspired the technocrats uh, some of the eugenicists came out of the thorstein veblen camp so you'd have to actually look was it uh, warning these students about technology and trying to drive them back to nature? Or was it basically saying technology is moving forward, there's nothing you can do to stop it? And then that ended up creating, you know, depression in the minds of people like Ted Kaczynski. Like for you that have been listening to my show, you write me and you say, oh my God, I didn't realize all this. We are really screwed. We really do live in this culture of 
technocracy. So that's what we'd have to look into. And this is great. This is why I wanted to read this piece. As I mentioned to you, I've read it uh, several years ago. I thought it was fascinating. I thought this guy did a great job because even Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, asked me, who inspired Kaczynski? When you read Industrial Society and its Future, do you see anything coming from the Technocracy Incorporated papers? To be honest, I don't think Kaczynski ever actually read those. I don't know if they would have been available to him back in 1995, even if he was going to the library to do research, because he wouldn't have had access to the internet, and even if he did, I don't think the internet had archived all that stuff at that point. So folks, we're going to continue tomorrow in episode 146 with this article. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, this is going to get into Henry Murray, and then we're going to do a thir- further investigation into Henry Murray and his connections to the CIA and to MK Ultra. And I'm going to show you that Harvard was actually getting money from the CIA at the time that these experiments, unethical, I would say ungodly, I would say anti-human experience were going on at Harvard University. Uh, That's what we're going to explore tomorrow in episode 146. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for stopping by. I hope the opening of the show really helped you. It'll be able to help you find a doctor for yourself, for your child, for your grandchild that will meet your needs and that will take a holistic approach to your health or your child's health or your grandchild's health. And uh, continue to do research on those vaccines if you have a child or grandchild that you are thinking of jabbing up, ladies and gentlemen. In the end, I agree with Dr. Rothschild. It's up to you. But you have the right to inform yourself and you have the right to say no if you so decide that one or all of these vaccines are not good for your child or grandchild. Thank you very much, folks. Leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts along with a comment. Join us at pain.tv slash gold for less than $9 a month. And think about making a donation over at donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold Show. I'll see you tomorrow. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here at pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion. at pain.tv slash gold.